0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I sat down with Joe Miles of Osseo Gear and Rendell Eric um, at the Ohio Sportsman's Expo last weekend. We had a real good conversation I think you guys are really going to enjoy. And if you guys could, make sure you write us your review on whatever platform you're listening to this show on. Also head over to our YouTube channel and give us a subscribe, that'd be great. Alright, let's get right into the episode. Oh, that's a good way to start the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody, welcome to the the show. You can see we got a couple uh new faces on the on the show, um, kinda of to the far side over there. I'm not sure if that's left or right for you guys, but uh Rindle Eric and Joe Miles are on. Um I guess Joe is the uh well, the founder and CEO of Osseo Gear yep. Camo. I don't know what Rindle, Rindle is. He's the the big guy from Iowa that kills a bunch of big bucks. <laughs> he's our he's our giant hardcore
1: mannequin. There you go. <laughs> the
0: the big and tall uh, yes, model. Yes, yeah. Exactly sure. right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Rindle's been on the Hunt and beast channel just like a couple clips. Yeah. When when Gary killed his buck in Iowa, Rindle was there uh, helping him uh, helping him out and you're there for like a recovery. Thing afterwards or something, if I remember, I edited that video, so um, people may recognize you from that. But um, so before we get into it, you guys—you're from Iowa and you're from South Carolina. How did you guys get together? We, you know, we met through social media. Um, I think we had
1: some mit- mutual buddies and uh, connected through social media. You know, it's an amazing platform. Guys, you know, like you just said, from Iowa, South oh, yeah. Carolina, connect, have the same passion. And uh, Rendell and I talked, and he wanted to try out some of our stuff. We sent him some stuff, and uh, that's kind of how we met. And now it's kind of morphed into a, a really good friendship, really good relationship. He's helping us at all the trade shows now. And, yeah. and, and uh, we're you know,
0: it's just a relationship that's growing and growing. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I've, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Obviously, there's downfalls of social media, but it's um, it's amazing what the connection is around the world now with social media. And I mean, we look like we're at a show right now. As you can see, we're in a different room than I'm usually sitting in. Um, but just the amount of people that like feel like they know me, you know, through YouTube or Facebook or whatever else we all use. It's crazy. Made some good friends through it, though. That's so, for sure. Yeah, yeah it,
1: it really is a it, it's an unbelievable platform where, Yeah, where guys are are connected and and like-minded guys are easy to find each other.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um so can you guys talk to me about Osseo Gear and how you guys how you started the the concept you, yeah, oh, you yeah. kind of put together for it? Yeah,
1: so uh I I you know, I grew up like everybody else hunting in cotton and and just, you know, when it got cold, I put on 15 layers and, and looked like the Michelin Man and right. still froze to death and <laughs> got to a point, you know, got to a point where I could do some mountain-type hunting, some some sheep and goat-type stuff, and uh, got introduced to the real premium uh, apparel that was out there for hunters, mm-hmm. and I was amazed at how it was windproof, it was waterproof, the quality was just amazing. Uh, and, and I got home and wanted to introduce that into the whitetail hunting because that's always been my passion since I was really little is, mm-hmm. is whitetail bow hunting. And I saw a gap between that really good premium stuff that would keep you in the stand longer, keep you warm, keep you dry. Um, I saw a gap between that and a really good camouflage pattern. That uh, us whitetail hunters need. So, so that's really the gap we filled. Uh, we, you know, our our pattern is really a natural ambush predator pattern. You know, mm-hmm. That's how we came. That's in nature. Uh, we didn't do any of this scientific stuff or digital or anything like that. You know, we we went with a natural ambush predator, and there's a reason why every every ambush predator in the woods is camouflage. You know, whether it's an owl, whether it's a hawk, whether it's a bobcat, whether it's a mountain lion, whether it's a leopard, every natural predator has camouflage. And I think we all know, and especially Dan, you know, would say you can kill giant deer with no camo. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can. You can sit, and, and I don't debate that one bit. You mm-hmm. can absolutely do that. But I think where a good natural camouflage pattern helps is with movement. You Know mm-hmm. it really helps with the movement, and there's a reason in nature that predators are camouflaged. Mm-hmm. So, we that's the gap we kind of filled between the really good premium stuff that can keep you in the stand for a really long time and a good camouflage
0: pattern that makes sense for us bow hunters. Gotcha, gotcha. I thought, uh, and, and unless anybody's like looked at your camouflage up close, like you could tell, I can tell now you told me the story of how you came up with the um the pattern i guess um and then obviously it's your guys logo is an owl right so um do you mind sharing that how, no no okay. i don't
1: mind at all I, I literally uh, two, uh 2019 uh walking through the woods pulling some stands and two great horn owls got in a fight and one of them flew in a tree and you guys everybody knows how those owls when you're in the woods they disappear mm-hmm. and he, he flew up in a tree i walked to him and you know how they bob their Mm -hmm. heads i saw him and then he flew to another tree and he vanished again and i you know i said this is it man for you know he is the quietest most lethal tree predator in the woods and his camo makes him disappear in any tree he goes in and so we did a bunch of research on prey animals you know we looked at the eyesight of squirrels rabbits kind of the natural prey of owls and then deer eyesight and they all have dichromatic eyesight and they don't see like humans. And when I, you know, when we kind of unraveled that, that squirrels, rabbits, deer see the same, you know, that natural camouflage pattern that nature created that owl to be able to hide from its prey, we wanted to add the same thing to, to a whitetail apparel line. So that's exactly I how the you. camo.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's a, it's a unique way of going about it, I think. I don't, you know, what I mean. Um, and that's kind of like, a, it seems like that concept is almost went away from the industry a little bit. You know what I mean? It has. Because, like, you know, you've got the – I, I know you guys don't care. Like, you know, Mossy and Real Trade, those guys were the four founders of Camo. But they, they kind of did that. You know, they looked for something in the woods that, you know – Specifically, look like it would blend in, and and it kind of there's a lot of patterns that just are like random stuff now. It, it, you know, it's, it's bizarre. <laughs> it, it's been it's been overthought. You know, yeah. it,
1: it's bizarre to me, and and the way these things stand out. You, yeah. you know, and and you know, th- there's some companies out there, some 800 pound gorillas, some big apparel companies that have great quality stuff, but the pattern just makes no sense for us whitetail tree stand hunters. Mm. I mean, it just it, it really it's it's a little bit you, you, it, they. It, went way off the spectrum, for, yeah. f- for me,
0: yeah, and it does seem like um over the past probably fifteen years um you know that that western side of the state's always kind of been hardcore um needing that you know real high end stuff and honestly man the whitetail stuff's getting more hardcore and more hardcore as time has passed because of guys like you know Dan doing what he does and and all that kind of stuff so um no that's cool we want to uh, um we won't talk about gear the whole whole time, everybody. <laughs> we'll get into deer hunting and everything yeah. everything else. Um, but you guys got options for early season to late season, as cold as can be.
1: Yeah, we we um you know we were born out of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, we do a lot of our cold weather testing in Alberta, but but our season starts August 15th in South Carolina so we got really hot weather stuff all the way to really late season stuff and I think Rendell can speak to negative 30 in our bibs and jacket in Iowa so yeah I was
2: sweating ice it was crazy yeah sweating <laughs> ice yeah it's wild so
1: that, that was a testament we, we really like to yeah. or a testimony that we would really like to get
0: yeah it sounds like Dan got your guys you guys did some horse trading and got he's going to get some bibs and coat for uh, yeah. late season yeah. um he he. I mean, when he walked, we walked away from your guys' booth, and he was, um, he he mentioned to me that you know he's like, oh, that that seemed like nice stuff, that late season stuff, because he's had, he's hard on stuff, you know, and he's had that bibs and stuff that he wears now for a while, so it's starting to fall apart on him, um, so he was excited about it. He didn't say that about like Dan is pretty, you know, um, I don't know what the, how the, the best way to put it is, but um, he's not gonna give you praise unless you. You know, unless he really thinks it. So, that's, no, that's uh, good to hear. And, yeah. and he's
1: going to put our lifetime warranty to uh, to the test. Yeah, that's, I, I'm that's certain an, of that. That's <laughs> another
0: good, uh, probably something to bring up. Is you guys have a, a lifetime warranty on on your all your gear? So, what's that in, like? What's that mean?
1: It, it it means exactly that. It's it's no funny business. If you if five years down the road you got a pair of our bibs and you're climbing a barbed wire fence and it's your fault and you rip the pant seam out, we either replace it or repair it we stand behind it for it's it's expensive stuff yeah um but but we we want it to last for guys and and you know we we want them to be happy with their product so yeah any it, it covers it we had a guy that uh he stored his stuff a mouse got into it and and gnawed the mm-hmm. inside lining of his coat out to make a nest and we we replaced it so yeah a lifetime
0: warranty means exactly that yeah that's awesome um you, you'll really stand behind it then yep um yeah, and something I noticed about it, I just wanted to comment on, is it's super quiet. All your garments are, are it seems like. Um, and, I you know, I got some stuff from one of your competitors, and one pair of pants they sent me. I, I was like, I can't hunt in this, you know. I'm like, I haven't worn them to this day. I mean, I can, I'm like, I can't. Yeah. You know, they're, they're loud. So, that was something I appreciated as, as I was looking through it.
2: Yeah, um, I mean,
1: you know, we... Bow hunting is our passion. It has been really since I was 16 and the whole team, you know, that's, that's what we do. And obviously, uh, you know, first is, is the quality being able to keep you in the stand. But, but secondly is, is the quiet factor. I mean, it has to be quieter or or it doesn't work, especially when it gets really, really cold and still. Yeah, You know, a lot of those windproof and waterproof liners, when they freeze, they crinkle like a paper bag. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. And, you know, we spent a ton of time researching those different membranes and testing them and, and finding one that when it froze, it wouldn't do that. You know, that gotcha. it, would, it would stay quiet. And then our outer
0: fabric is a brush bonded fleece, and it is really quiet. Gotcha. All right, if you guys want to check out OSEO Gear, it's in the description of this video and uh, down in the podcast notes too so thank you put that down there. no problem Appreciate no thanks that. for coming on. Uh, all right let's talk about deer hunting you guys both um, just uh, looking at through Facebook on, on both of you you guys can pretty, pretty prevalent that both of you killed a whole bunch of real big deer. Um, you guys care if we, like get into some tactics so we can just like go back and forth on it between the two of us. Sounds Sounds good. Between the two of you, yeah, yeah. I've gotten good at like picking people's (laughs) brain. I I sit there and pick Dan's brain about deer stuff all uh, all week on this show. So, um, what do you guys like? How how do you guys hunt different? Are you? I don't know much about um, you, Joe, to be honest, as far as you know where you hunt or what you uh, what kind of hunting you do. But is there a big difference between what you two do? I know Rendell's more of the Iowa public land type guy, kind of run and gun. And then, Joe, do you kind of hunt the same way?
1: So I'm a little bit different. South Carolina is a is a weird state. Mm-hmm. We we come in August 15th, our rifle season does, and yeah. goes to January 1st. You can run them with dogs. Um, you can kill five bucks a year. So it is a really heavily pressured state. Yeah. Um, but but I bow hunt there, and and our woods we have. I hunt the Congaree ri- uh, River Swamp Basin. So it's big, big woods, mm-hmm. big cutovers, or timber companies in there. So m- most of the land, there are some public pieces down there. Like I'm a member of a hunt club that has 12 members, and, and so it gets it gets hunted. There's a lot of pressure there. So I don't do – I used to hunt some public um, when I was younger, and now I'm a member of that hunt club, and then I have access to another property I have permission on that's a large private farm. Mm-hmm. And um, it's got really good hunting for South Carolina. Uh, and, and then I do a lot of traveling, um, and, and the, I guess the – the the difference and Rendell, you can speak to this better than me but but i've got you know limited time you know when when i can go to Mm -hmm. to to say kansas i try to go to kansas when i get drawn try to go to illinois ohio kentucky and kind of my kind of what i've i've tried about everything and what i have found when i travel and have a really limited amount of time to hunt I like to have those those little sm- multiple little small permission pieces or little lease pieces, you know mm-hmm. that, that because it is limited time. You know when you you dive into public and you've got a you know a week to hunt, there's a lot that can go on. And and you know I, I've always said it, and Rendell and I, you know, we pick back and forth because you know he's public land hardcore. Yeah, you know, got got people <laughs> underneath him. You know, walking by him, and he obviously has great patience. Um, <laughs> Sounds like it, one of my hunts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, sure. and, and and with the with the limited amount of time that I have um you know I, I try to fixate on those those smaller properties and have maybe two or three of them in, in a certain area that I can kind of bounce around so that that's kind of my style yeah is is traveling because I have to travel if I yeah. want to get into big deer sure. I've New got to get, I've got to get out yeah. of South Carolina and that's you know it, it, it's a it's a huge learning process on, on how to find those properties um and then then how to not overpressure them and you know you Kansas is 17 hours away, so you know I'll, I'll throw a camera in on a property, um, and and I have to commit to maybe driving out there in July, yeah, right, and and setting stuff up or flying or you know whatever right. it may yeah. be, um, and that and that's a commitment and and you know a financial commitment and a time commitment. Oh yeah, but but you know I think all of us and of course your listeners you know are are serious about it and, and to be successful you've got to put the work in oh yeah and so so that's kind of my you know in a in a 30,000 foot view of, of what I do
0: yeah and like um we the there is like this whether I mean, it's not justified at all in my opinion but there is a tension between like the the public land hunter and then the guys like you that you know I, I don't know your background in life but you know you've obviously worked hard for what you have now and and you're able to have leases and stuff and it's like that's a different type of hard work that you put in to be able to do that and stuff. And then it's also hard work to like manage all that crap and keep, you know, keep um, those places the way you want them and stuff. And um, I, I wouldn't say it's any easier per se, because you're like you said, it's a, it's a big financial. That's, that's like probably stressful. You know, you're spending a whole bunch of money on deer, you know, Dude, it's like traveling. Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, I don't know. I just, I wanted to say that like, it's, it's a, it's just a different type of, of uh, a way of going about it, but it's like, not any easier per se you know no it
1: it it is I mean so so the 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 pressure it is it's a different animal yeah the the pressure aspect I mean the deer you hunt in in Iowa Rendell I mean on public land they're they're getting booted around all over the place the pressure is is immense and I've always said a guy that can go into public and kill you know a mature buck a three four five year old buck I mean that's a badge of honor man yeah that that is that is tough and and hats off I mean that that's an amazing accomplishment Mm -hmm. and I would love to do so some of that mm-hmm. but but my problem again is i might have four days that i can go to yeah, kansas yeah. and i just i want to maximize. i like to shoot deer yeah right, i like to right, shoot right, big right. deer you know yeah, i'm, I'm passionate about it so if i if i lived in a big buck state mm-hmm. you, you know i think i would dive into some public and, and really kind of immerse myself into that competition if you will yeah. or, or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh but but i just don't have the the, the time or the access yeah, to do that i get it
0: is, is uh is, do you have another business outside of Osseo? I do. Okay. So you got a whole bunch of stuff going on. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I, I'm uh yeah, i am i am a, I'm a four 30 in the morning to 10 30 at night. Yeah. So okay. Okay. Uh, it, that makes complete sense. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Rindle, you're a school teacher, right? Yeah. Okay.
2: I do like uh, behavioral stuff and spend. Yeah. Okay. But I got worked out where I get, I just work four days a week. Oh, really? So I just work a little bit longer in the days, and then I get the three days off every week to hunt. Oh, that's and nice. And then I got, like, my buck fever sick days, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, take a, I take a bunch of those. <laughs> <But> Rindle's, like... <laughs> Rindle's also known for his uh,
0: one-liners, mm-hmm. by the way. Oh, yeah, for yeah. <laughs> He's No balls, hunt. no books. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're going to come out with the uh, shirt line one of these yeah, days you Yeah, be awesome. Yeah. I got
2: a lot of ideas <laughs> lined up for that. But, like, he was saying, even though I live in Iowa, it's not like I'm walking out my – Back door driving 10 minutes to the public land, and I walk out, and there's a booner behind every tree. Yeah. Last year, I put almost 300 miles of postseason scouting in, just to, and I think I only found maybe three booners last year. Yeah. And then the year before that, uh, I mean, I did a little bit better. I found like 15 over 150, yeah, and a 200 inch buck. So, but that took a lot of time and effort. During the whole year, like, there's no off-season oh, for yeah. me. It's, like, deer 24-7. And, like he was saying, going out of state, I go to other states. I've hunted, like, Ohio, Missouri, and a bunch of other stuff like that. And when you got that three-day crunch. Oh, it's hard. It can be tough. Fly in, scout in the mornings, hunt in the evenings. Yep. And I do have a ton of guys. <laughs> do some insane stuff on public land oh, that yeah. messes me up yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's always me i don't know how yeah i'll finally get the buck figured out he's in this bed on this wind and he's coming out and i'm like yeah i got you yeah and then somebody screws me over yeah somehow. I and i'm just like oh you gotta be kidding me and yeah this all over again i try not to get too mad because <laughs> right. it's public land but yeah it is frustrating when you do all that work and then you got some guy doing some crazy stuff at the last second to mess you up. Yeah. The last
0: two two uh, years I've had, well, Tim I uh, went to Iowa and hunting public, and then Gary. And they both had the same story. Like, they were pretty shocked at how many people were hunting. Yeah. Um, even Gary, during that late season of the muzzleloader, he's like, it, it wasn't like there was people out and about. You know, yeah, wasn't it wasn't like he had it to himself. A
2: lot of people out. Yeah. It's and gotten they, more and more, like, every year, more and more pressure. Yeah.
0: And then Tim Tim mentioned... Um, he, it took him, like, a few days to find a piece of public that hadn't been pounded already.
2: Yeah. Um, so. There's a little tricks that I got that I use for that. Yeah. There's I noticed a lot of patterns that people migrate to. You sure well, you want to say this on a podcast? No, I don't. No, okay. <laughs> 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 I'm knew Go that ahead. was coming. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just messing what with you. you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry what to, say you? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead with your thought. Go ahead. And then uh, – I find a lot of tendencies with a lot of big bucks. I find in certain places yeah. there are. So now I can just look on aerials and speed scout these specific things that I'm really keying in on to find these really big bucks quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, and, and it's funny because like, and we were just talking about the public land and the or the public land and the and the private land stuff. Um, there's a uh, there's like this I don't know this tension too. Um, between, you know, the, um, people on, on public, even like the, um, you're talking about people r- walking around like squirrel hunters in Wisconsin. That's a big yeah. issue. <laughs> issue is a stupid word to use for it too, because those people have just as much right to go walk around squirrel hunting as we do deer hunting, you know, and they yeah. probably love deer hunting as much as we do, uh, or love squirrel hunting as much as we love deer hunting. And it's a, uh, I always get a kick out of it because us deer hunters, sometimes we feel, um, like some kind of a i'm up here compared to everybody else that hunts everything else yeah, and that's get true. off of, no other hunting <laughs> no hunting on public land other than deer hunting yeah. during deer, deer season it's like well it's rabbit season and squirrel season during you know so um
2: in iowa they carry a bag of batter around i think they're just cooking them right out in the oh, woods yeah. and i'm like what the heck is going on here because they always show up on my trail cameras now i'm like oh uh, yeah we don't
0: have many squirrel hunters in indiana um, our public land is pretty rugged. Yeah. Uh, well, and where I live in Southern Indiana, so I don't, I just don't Think people are wanting to walk that much to Probably not. up and down in big hills to shoot a squirrel. You know. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but anyway, so J- Joe, you mentioned earlier about finding these pieces of um, private hunt. Do you get any tips for finding private for people? People always ask us that on here. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I think. You know, you you got to figure out where you. you well, I mean that's that's a that's a big hole to dive down in, in, in yeah. that. I mean, you, it, just over broad view, you've got to you got to figure out what you want to do and where you want to go. Like, mm-hmm. I want to shoot a one hundred and fifty. I want to shoot a two hundred. Whatever it is. So you got to narrow down on where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And then I always start uh, with listed properties. Like I'll go into let, let's say it's I don't know. I'll pick a spot I used to hunt, Petersburg, Illinois. Mm-hmm. I'd go into Petersburg, Illinois, and I would look at um, every real, real estate property or small farm that's for sale. Mm-hmm. And I would call that realtor and say, hey, the farm's for sale. Um, you, you know, it's, it's July. Uh, w- you think he would lease the hunting on it until it sells? And, and you, you have a risk there, but that's a good place to start. You know, mm-hmm. you, you start with the, the, the lease or permission or whatever. Can yeah. I you know, always start with? Could I hunt it? Yeah, you know, until it sells, and if that doesn't work, then maybe you know, you uh, a, a trespass fee or a lease or whatever it may be. So that's
0: where I'll start with so, the realtors. So why the listed property? Why, why does it matter if it's listed or not? Or but just-
1: because normally the ones that aren't listed, the oh, guy, I get
0: you. Y- you follow me? Yeah, you, they are probably already someone hunting. E- it exactly something. right. Yeah. And so,
1: so what somebody will do is say, "Hey, um, whoever's been hunting it, I'm selling the property. You can't hunt it anymore, or whatever." Oh. And then you go in and and say, "Hey, y- you know." I want to I want to hunt it, um, and I understand it's for sale, and I'm willing to take that. You know, if you don't sell it, so, so that's a that's a tactic that has worked. Another one is, and, and this may, you know, this this may be just simple, and a lot of guys would do this, but man, I, w- I would drive to the local diners, um, drive to the feed and seed stores, and and just you know be the poor pitiful south carolina boy looking for somewhere to hunt you you know and and you know before long you you build relationships you know with with local farmers and and that's a those diners are heavily overlooked man yeah there there was one in petersburg illinois that we used to go in and every single farmer would meet there and complain about something and have their coffee in the morning yeah yeah yeah. and and you know i would go in sit down have a conversation with them and boy what are you doing up here all the way you know i'm just looking for somewhere to hunt and you'd be amazed at how you can get into different properties yeah. but it, it all goes back to the same thing work yeah you gotta work for it and they, they are out there and you know I, I had a 29 acre track in in Illinois and I shot three three bucks on it and I paid less than a truck payment a year for, oh, for really? that property and I, I shot a 160 a 186 and a 183 off of 29 acres in Illinois and and, and I it was less than a truck payment yeah. A monthly truck payment is, is what I paid for that. It was just a trespass fee to go in there. Yeah. So so they're out there. You just
0: got to work your butt off to find them. Yeah, for sure. I have a uh, – people probably tired of hearing this on this show, but I got a buddy that's uh, – he shoots traditional. He's, a, he's shot a long bowl since he's started. He never went away from it for since the 70s or whatever. And uh, he's killed a big-game animal in 47 of the 50 states with it. And uh, he swears every time he goes someplace to hunt – he goes to the local barber shop and gets his haircut before he starts. And he's mm. always like, there's, there's always old farmers or whatever sitting in there. talking." Genius. Yeah. I'm adding that one to the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that's what he said. He said, if I need it or not, I'm getting a haircut. When I get to hunting camp, he's like, that's what, that's what I do. And he's like, I've done it like m- more than a dozen times. He said, he's been someone in there and he said, it may not be direct, but it's like the barber knows everybody, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, and they'll give him numbers or call this guy or call this farmer, he'll have a place for you or you know, whatever. So that's way that's what he does.
1: And you, you you all you know, guys talk about knocking on doors and, and of course that works, but but just th- that that all of a sudden you you have a connection. Yeah. Randy at the barbershop said give you a call you might have some hunting (laughs) a gym at the feed and seed store said you might let some guys hunt on your property you all of a sudden have a connection there and and that's like calling those realtors if you don't have the, if you don't have the ability to go out there you make relationships with four or five realtors in that area and and again you're building relationships and and that's what it takes Mm.
0: yep
2: yeah and that name drop holds a lot of value because like Oh, Jim Bob, I knew I've known him all my life, and oh, if he thinks this guy's kind of all right, then yeah, yeah right. sure, come on in. Right, you know?
0: exactly. Something else is like, if you let him know you're either just bow hunting or I'm just gonna be here this week. You yeah. know, sometimes that's enough to, you know. Um,
2: and I'll give up some information, t on something he said that uh, something I focus on that guys overlook is the small property, a micro property. Yeah. So, a lot of my strategy for public land hunting, a lot of guys are gravitating towards, like, the really big parcels, big woods, like, thousands of acres. Or I don't care how – I'd rather it be small because there's probably one to three really good spots in there only. Yeah. I can dive right in, scout it, gone to the next one, and I can pile up 30 of those. Mm-hmm. And then I have somewhere to hunt on all different wind directions, and I can find multiple bucks really quick. You can just dive in. If someone's in the parking lot, you can be like, oh, he's got to be in one of these three spots. Right. If he he has good woodsmanship. Yeah. And then you can just hop to the next. And everybody else is trying to figure out the big parcels, and it's taking them a long time. So if you only got limited time, I'm diving into all these smaller ones because it's quicker. That's good. And then I can hop around really fast.
0: That's a real good tip. Man, you could waste a lot of time, you know, on a couple thousand acres of land, you know. Um, And like you said, if there's been a handful of guys in there, you know. May not be any good anyway, yeah. you know. So, uh, those are good tips. So, do um, you guys both hunt out of a saddle? I I have.
1: I've shot a couple bucks out of a saddle. Okay. Um, I'm I'm more of a lock on guy. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and, and I do a combination of you know on these small farms there there's really limited spots you can hunt. Mm-hmm. So so I may have a preset or something I'll hang in July or August, but then I always have a couple mobile setups too. Gotcha.
2: And I'm just straight mobile, yeah. set up, tear down every time. 100% saddle for like the last four years. Yeah. I do, uh, you know, every now and again, there's certain situations you might need a tree stand, like cedar trees. Yeah. Maybe some uh, hedge trees and stuff like that. Yeah. That you can really take advantage of the tree stand for that. But uh, for me, I'm so tall, I'm six foot eight. So, yeah. A lot of the older stands didn't have the higher uh, i beams. Yeah, right. So my knees would be up. I'd be eating my knees pretty much <laughs> right, when right, I'm out right, there in right. the woods for a snack. That's like when <laughs> you you sat on the
0: beach stand at the show and you were just like, as soon as you sit down, you were like, oh, oh, like yeah, my exactly. knees aren't up to my chest because that's funny. what you're
2: used to. But now that technology has been progressing in the tree yeah. stands for mobile hunting, the you know that eye beams getting higher. Yeah. So you know, there's open possibilities for that because before it just killed my back oh it I'm pinches right. your sciatic nerve i'd feel like i got hit by a dump truck every time i got out yeah. of the woods i feel like i'm 90 hobbling around right, i'm like good right. lord so the saddle's just for me is way more comfortable i can get a lot more trees with it for me and i'm getting some crazy crazy setups and i hunt really low too yeah it's pretty wild what i do yeah (laughs) guys would look at me and be like what is that guy doing (laughs) (laughs) because it works yeah it works i'm in that like five to 12 foot range yeah but just watching deer behave i've had deer almost hit me when they come underneath me like their rack almost hits the platform i think that gap they're looking down or they're looking up
0: it's like whatever height most ladder stands are Yeah. Is where you don't want to be. And I'm like, 18, right 18, <laughs> yeah. 18 feet, stay away.
2: Yeah, so I think they're looking up or out. They're not really looking in that one spectrum. And mm-hmm. you still got all the back cover. So I'm mostly hunting with back cover. I don't care if I have cover in front of me or even on the tree I'm on. It's all about what's behind me, are they skylining me, yep. breaking up that. And movement, if you're moving around, I don't care what you do. They're going to pick you off. So staying stills like, the number one thing and playing the wind, right? Yeah.
0: That's what well, you mentioned movement. That's what I struggle when saddle hunting with movement. I'm kind of a fidgety guy. So I'm always just kind of, I don't know.
2: Yeah. A lot of guys like to just swing yeah, around. Yeah. I'll there sit like there, and, you know, I don't know. It takes a little bit of time to get disciplined to just stand yeah. there like a statue.
0: Right, right. Um, yeah. and, it, you, I mean, getting up real high, uh, you lose back cover. Yeah. As soon as you get up real high, you know.
2: Well, in hunting Mm -hmm. a buck bedding, too, if you get too high, that buck can just look right up out of his bed, and he sees you up there. Yeah. So I like to stay low so they can't pick me off out of the beds Mm -hmm. when I'm getting close. Because I like to be with, you know, that 100 yards bubble.
0: Right. Yeah, and Dan mentioned this yesterday in the seminars. Like, uh, he had a certain spot. um, We had a video playing, and um, he picked out – he's laying in the bed, picked out the tree, and he shot the buck from the bed. And you can – in the video, you can actually see the buck laying in the bed and get up and walk to him um but you can see like where he picked it out there's like a bush big bush in front of that tree and he just got like eight feet off the ground right at that bush level you know whereas yeah. a lot of guys would have been just okay i got to get four Sky, sticks high you yeah. know um there's a lot to be, be said about about that uh and, and it is weird because um, i've been hunting like you i only carry three sticks with me all the time yeah um and it is all it's kind of weird to get used to like Man, I am right here by him. It feels
2: like you know. It's insane um, when you first start doing it, especially when you got some of these giants rolling in on you to five yards, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is wild."
0: I'm in Southern Indiana, so like, we don't lose leaves until almost December. You know, we still have good leaf cover into November. Um, So I, I, if I get high, I can't shoot hardly. You know, yeah. Um, and that's one of the just out of necessity, I had to start hunting a little bit lower. Or I had to hunt, I had to hunt low, um, especially on public land. You can't yeah. trim much stuff and all that. Uh, but anyway, what time is it? Do we have enough time to keep going? Oh yeah, we're good. Uh, I did, I, you got another a meeting at, here in an hour at nine? Right? Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so, Rindel, I want to talk to you a little bit more about public land hunting in, in Iowa. Um, and then don't let me forget to get, bring up Iowa here in a little bit about what's going on there. No, yeah, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't remind me. <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, if if a guy was going to come out and hunt Iowa, because this is a question, man, I get all the time. But I, I, I've i never hunted Iowa, so I'm a horrible person to ask. Um, what uh, Do you have any, like, pointers for people um, if it's the first time coming out of, out of state to Iowa?
2: I would sh- – come in the postseason yeah learn your access um just driving around where are you going to camp at or stay at you I would rather be more centralized between all the public land mm-hmm. don't gravitate one you got one chunk and you got to drive an hour and a half to get to anything else so I like to stay in like a centralized base camp because I do travel around Iowa a ton I hunt everywhere yeah in Iowa so I do a lot of camping and stuff within the state even though i live there mm-hmm. and then uh i'd come early find your access uh speed scout bedding areas because once uh, the season gets around you're not going to be want to go trampling in those bedding areas but if you're running cameras and you know where the bedding areas are at already and you catch that buck you can use the time stamp on the photos and mm-hmm. if he's daylighting or not you can navigate that back use the wind direction like Oh, he came onto my camera. I got a picture of him in the north wind. What what bedding did I just speed scout? You know, in the summertime, that sets up for that north wind. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's only one. He's, you know what I mean. So he's got to, he's got to be there or somewhere in that general area. So just knowing the terrain, the lay of the land, and uh, figuring out access is huge. How are, how are you getting in there? Because you could have a bomb piece of property, but if you access it crappy you're just going to blow it out with the wind or your scent on the ground so can you come in by water can you come in something different than anybody else so i'm really looking at that can i come up a drainage ditch feeder creek maybe i hit the hill country and i didn't like it so i look for other types of terrain too yeah and i'm more like a diversity driven hunter i'm looking for I like three or four diversity things coming together mm-hmm. and learning the secondary food sources of Iowa's big. Cause I mostly key in on like staging areas. So I found the bedding area. I want to find out where he's staging at. He's going to go feed on whatever browse or secondary food he's on. Then he's going to long line out (laughs) (laughs) to the main food source. (laughs) (laughs) We (laughs) were
1: laughing about that last night at dinner, long lining like a sword fisherman.
2: (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then
2: then I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to pick the exit trail, usually, Mm -hmm. that he's going to that secondary food source. And that's one thing that really helps me out on keying in on these big bucks that I've shot.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good tip. Um, Something else I was going to ask you about is, expectations for deer hunters on size in Iowa coming out of state. Like, you know, you'll hear guys talk about, you know, should I hold out for a 150? Should I hold out for a 170 in Iowa? Like what do you, what's your opinion on that? If you're, you're going to be there for seven days.
2: If you're coming here, if you're coming to Iowa for seven, 140. Yeah. Or bigger, I'd smoke it. Okay. Iowa is not what it used to be. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. It's on the downhill trend. We had the two bouts of EHD. Um just seems to uh not hold like the ultra giants i mean they're still shooting 200s but there used yeah. to be like just a magnitude of like massive giant bucks but that's really dwindled down you just don't find that as much anymore mm. and as much as miles as i'm putting on there like there's I mean, more than most states you can run into some booners, but it's not like I said, they're not yeah. behind every tree. You got to do a lot of work to find right. them. It's not like every property yeah. has one on it anymore. So if you're just bouncing in, mobile, bouncing around, I think if it's 140, I'd I'd smoke it. Mm-hmm. But if if your goals are bigger, I mean, Yeah, it's it's going to depend on yeah, someone. Yeah, you're going to be you're going to have to mentally prepare yourself to eat that yeah. tag soup, which a lot of guys don't like doing, but it is what it is. I mean, you can't kill a 190 if you're shooting a
0: 140. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's just something uh, every, every guy driving out to Iowa is thinking about that, like, what am I going to hold off for? You know? But the
2: opportunity is there. Like, you never know. Oh, yeah. Like, you could be out there in a the rut and a 220 walk in. I yeah. mean, that's the most exciting thing for me about hunting Iowa or some of the big Midwest buck states. Like, it keeps you going, like, no matter how hard – the mobile game's beating you down. That yeah. grind, you know. Yeah, you're just hitting it all day long, every day. Guys are messing you up, and you're getting frustrated. But man, that opportunity that a buck of a lifetime could just roll out at five yards and you smoke it, like it just. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's it drives you differently, you know, than if maybe you were hunting like a 70 inch deer in South Florida or something. Right, you know, right. Hey 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 hey, 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 hey.
0: Oh, that's funny. No, Joe, you hunted uh it sounds like you've hunted a whole bunch of stuff what uh what's your uh outside of whitetail what other species would you uh enjoy hunting the most man um
1: that that's a tough one uh you know that i've hunted some exotic stuff there's some ibex i've hunted oh, yeah. uh, in asia mm-hmm. and those are just unbelievable creatures because being from south carolina how far you have to travel to get in that terrain and you're you're going it's almost like going back in time you know kyrgyzstan Mm. mongolia you know in mongolia there's still nomads you know, yeah. and seeing those cultures and those people, and getting up, at, you know, on the basically on the China border in those Altai mountains, and and seeing what they live in, yeah, it, it oh. is it is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I was, you, you know, I, I, I my wife always asked me, when are you going to start stop bow hunting deer? And I said, well, if I stop bow hunting deer, I'm going to start hunting ibex, yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> whatever. And she 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 doesn't she keep hunting keep hunting hunt deer, deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I, I would say th- those ibex are are just fascinating creatures and i would i would put that up
0: there yeah you mentioned the like how china lives or that the um outskirts of china the suburbs of china and i've been to like 30 different countries in my old job and we we were an agriculture company and i wouldn't go we wouldn't you know we'd go to china we wouldn't go to the big cities or anything we'd be out in the farms you know and man it's pretty humbling what you see out there and what people how people live and you're pretty excited to get back to the United States whenever you're done.
1: Yeah, pizza and chicken wings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> some freaking ice for my water. Yeah, yes, exactly you know. <laughs> right. Exactly Nobody right. Nobody has
0: ice anywhere over there. Yeah. Um but anyway, yeah, it's uh people have nothing to complain about over here. No, truly. Um, yeah, but that's uh that's cool. You have you done some sheep hunting too? Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: Done some sheep stuff, and and that's you know again circling back on the the gear side of things. You know that that's where I got exposed to um, r- really high quality stuff was was doing some sheep hunts. You yeah. know, in, in Alaska, British Columbia, the Yukon. Um, you, you know the the terrain there is is unforgiving and. You know, it, it it's it can be, especially rain gear. You know, life and death. If, yeah. if, if you don't have really good stuff, you know, the Wrangell Mountains in Alaska is probably one of the roughest places in the world with, with with the terrain and and the the um, oh, what are they called? Not av- uh, glaciers. Mm-hmm. We we actually had to cross a glacier, and I never will forget. I, I took a rock and dropped it in one of the crevasses, and I never heard it hit the bottom. Oh, really? Yeah, it just went. And I dropped another one to verify it and I looked down in there and, uh. and I told the guy I was hunting with, I was like, dude, if I fall in this yeah. thing I, I put my little in reach, you know, SOS yeah. thing on the front of my pack and turned my rifle sideways so I could if I fell in there maybe it would right. it would catch me. Uh. Uh, but yeah, that was uh you know, that that's it's it, you know, it, it makes you realize how small we really are. Oh yeah you know, going into those mountains and, and just how in, in,
0: insignificant we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just vastness out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'll i tell you a story about my same buddy that is the longbow hunter, and, uh, with the barbershop tip. <laughs> he, uh, he's been to Alaska a whole bunch of times hunting and he's killed all kinds of stuff over there with his longbow. And the last time he went, he was going on a solo trip to Kodiak Island. And, uh, he, uh, was getting on the he was chartering the float plane to fly into his last destination and we jumped on the plane his phone fell in the uh in the mm. water in the lake or whatever and uh, he just like ah I don't need to talk to anybody anyway <laughs> and he just went on ahead <laughs> that's the kind of guy he is like he just I mean um but I guess he got back to Anchorage on his way back and got a phone, got a phone you know and he got it all put together and his wife had left him like I don't know, dozens of, oh, of voicemails and each one got proceedingly more aggressive, you know. <laughs> this <laughs> is it. Yeah. You're not going ever. again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. uh, it is he tells the story a lot better, but it's pretty pretty funny. Um I, I want to go to Alaska one of these days. He invited me uh, a few years back, but I couldn't make it make it work. I'm just going. we were go sitka blacktail hunting. Sweet. But um one day I'll I'll make it over there. Um, Iowa, let's talk about this before we get off here. So what's going on over there right now? Everybody's up in arms.
2: <laughs> yeah, bunch of politicians that don't know what they're doing <laughs> are trying to ruin <laughs> Iowa deer hunting. Greed and money, man, yeah. destroys all things. Yeah. So we got a bunch of just horrible legislation trying to get pushed through. Uh, a crossbow company, I think they're based out of New York, is trying to destroy the state of Iowa <laughs> with paying off uh, politicians to push in this legislation. They're not, you know what I mean? They're not even in the state of Iowa and they want to come in the state and ruin it over greed and money and destroy my resource Mm -hmm. when they're not a part of my community, which I don't like that too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Might have to hit them off with a what say you. Yeah. Yeah, Yes, you will. (laughs) Yeah. So they're trying to push crossbows in, add 2,500 non resident hunters a year. And then they're even trying to push in some legislation where a farmer can auction off, like, an extra tag to, like, the highest bidder, which will be insanity. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just going, like, people that are making the decisions don't know anything about wildlife. Yeah. Are it, the ones making the decisions, which I don't, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, the, the, the scary part about it is, is like, i was iowa for a reason yeah and like exactly. it's and like it could be gone yeah and then there'll be no place like iowa anymore it'll end know? up
2: being like Illinois is now it's yeah. just all the outfitters everything's leased up wiped out the buck herd pretty much for big bucks because mm-hmm. all those counties in illinois that were famous for huge deer like nothing now almost yeah. i mean there's big deer there still oh yeah, yeah it's not like it used to be no and you, every hunter i talk to man they hold Iowa like the holy grail of whitetail hunting Mm -hmm. you know guys are waiting five six years to to come out and hunt Mm -hmm. and that's like their dream yeah like, that's all they care about. They'd rather come hunt Iowa than go to Alaska or China or wherever yeah, yeah. and hunt exotics, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'd probably rather go do the exotic <laughs> hunting, yeah, <laughs> but right. I live in Iowa, so right. I can hunt there every year. Yeah, So, yeah, yeah. to me, it's like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? It's yeah. weird at my viewpoint of it. Yeah. Because I live there. Yeah. And when guys that's are true. asking me about draws and all this, I'm like, oh, well, right. I don't know anything about that. Right. Like, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Because spoiled rotten yeah let's face it (laughs) but i'd sacrifice to get that you know oh yeah i moved to iowa with nothing i didn't know anybody i just one day i was like i want to do this deer hunting thing and i'm gonna you know strive to do this and i'm gonna grind to get it done i packed up everything i had and just went to iowa yeah and then i found this i just kind of settled into a place i asked a bunch of people i knew kind of like oh hey what's a good part of iowa yeah. I showed up, I actually lived in a campground for like six or seven months oh, until really? I found a little tiny apartment <laughs> and then got into that. I just had some kind of crappy job I got when I first got there yeah. and then build myself up from there. I got a agricultural business degree mm-hmm. and I just been stepping up from there, meeting people, making connections yep. and you can't, you, know, you can get some private ground in Iowa f- through free permission. Yeah take a case of bush lattes to any farmer they're gonna might let you in with the bush lattes (laughs) but uh i don't it's tough because you got to maintain that relationship so that's where i'm like i'd rather just go run around and do whatever i want on right i don't have to worry about all that yeah yeah and then bobby sue joe bob you never met before in your life heard you shot a big buck on my 15th uncle cousin's farm and, the and then you're gone yeah. man yeah. and yeah. all that work you did and you got it figured out and yeah. it's usually right before season you're out and you're like you're scrambling right so i was like oh man i'm not dealing with any of that so i do have some free permission but man yeah. a lot of the public land's just better like right it's managed a lot better but anyways besides the bush lattes and things, yeah <laughs> yeah it's just different i mean it's still I mean, just chase your dreams. That's what I always focus on. Yeah.
0: Where'd you, where'd you uh, grow up?
2: Um, my dad was a Marine. Oh, okay. So I'm kind of a hodgepodge oh, I got of you. everywhere. Yeah. I got you. And I've been like with my grandparents and back to my parents and all oh, around. Okay. So we moved around quite a bit.
0: I got you. Um, I but didn't... mostly
2: like North Carolina, Tennessee, West Virginia Okay. area. brother. So not the Midwest. You were, no. You were down in. Down south. Yeah. Okay. Like my brother's from Alabama. Well, he was born there. But... Right. Right. so we moved Don't around the south mostly okay. and then you know how i got tired of looking at 70 inch bucks in oh, yeah. south carolina kind yeah. of thing and yeah. i was yeah. like i'm moving to the holy grail Let's, yeah you know what i mean like let's do this all like, in yeah
0: yeah yeah that's cool man that's uh a lot of respect for doing doing that kind of thing um like you said that's sacrifice yeah. you know um it's that was what's that what's cam Han say must be nice whatever <laughs> yeah. must be nice must be nice yeah, yeah i get like, that a lot yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It must well, be nice to kill those big bucks yeah. well you can move out here too buddy yeah, it's uh it wasn't for a while right yeah <laughs> wasn't that nice yeah. roughly living in the yeah, and camp, they didn't, camp site <laughs> and
2: i wouldn't my dad's not a hunter like yeah i taught myself how to hunt and then using like uh dan's platform the hunting beast his youtube dvds other uh, you know other people the hunting public and all that yeah just to elevate yourself to get knowledge because knowledge is power like if you quit learning you need to reevaluate whatever you're doing because you i think you need to always be learning if you stop learning you failed so even if you fail but you learned you didn't truly fail you still learned right so i think that's a win so you just got to keep growing but they didn't see the years like yeah, 100%. I got my ass kicked in the woods because I had no idea what I was doing. I did, like, stupid stuff. Yeah. Or it just didn't work out. Or I got, found the big buck, and I'm like, how the heck am I going to kill yeah. this thing? <laughs> you know? So, like, yeah. make relationships, being around people that are better than you, talking to people, and just proving it to you. Like, if you hear something, just don't take it. Oh, man, yeah, that yeah. guy did this insane thing, so I'm going to go do it, and it's going to work. I always go out and just try it. Like, all right, does this guy know what he's talking about? Even even things that Dan has said, I'm like, all right, Dan said this. I'm going to go test this for myself to make sure it holds weight for me to actually use it in a hunting situation. And then if I think it holds, you know, then I add it to my arsenal. Yeah. And, man, there's no... Like I said uh, the other day in a the podcast, there's no booner juice that you can buy for yeah. nine ninety nine. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> booner juice. <laughs> you can't That's b- another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. can't buy it. You know, at the store, and it's just gonna put you on a two hundred inch buck. Right. I mean, unless you're paying a guy to tie one up for you. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's no magic bullet. It's all the same information. Just people put their own spin on it. Like we were talking about with Dan the other day. Yeah. It's. It's just like whatever your style is, taking information from everyone and twisting it into your own. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, comes, it comes to a point where, you know, you, you reach a level with your, with your hunting that, it, that then it boils down to your access and where you hunt. Yep. You, you know, exactly. I, 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 you see it over and over and over again.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Joe, growing up, like, who are some of your influences hunting Down south like that. Well,
1: I mean, my dad was a savage. I mean, he he was a whitetail savage. He he had the 11th uh, largest buck in the state, and Mm. um, you know, I can remember waking up in the woods in the morning, not having a clue where I was. I'm talking three, four years old, yeah, and coming out of a sleeping bag, and and it's I'm in the woods, yeah, and all of a sudden a piece of candy hits me in the top of the head, and I look up. (laughs) And my dad's in a tree. Really, I mean, that's how much he wanted it. Yeah. You know, he would take me out, wrap me in a sleeping bag, leave me at the bottom of the tree. Hunt up, get a you know a couple hours in until I woke up, Then he'd come down. He's a great dad. You yeah. know, just just hardcore. I mean, when I got a little older. I would get on his back like a monkey and hold on to his neck because in South Carolina we had those, like, uh, railroad ties as as pegs, uh-huh. and then it would just be a two-by-four. Uh-huh. And I would wrap on his neck, and he would climb up the tree with me on his back, with his rifle and me on his back. And he would climb up to that two by four and let me sit on his lap, and we'd sit all afternoon. So, so that my dad obviously was a huge influence. And then, of of course, you know, once I got exposed to to whitetail hunting outside of South Carolina, you know, I. I you look at Dan you know yeah. you, uh, Don Higgins mm-hmm. is a, is is an influencer um you know there there's a lot the Wentzels. Mm-hmm. you know Bobby Worthington you know is a, is a guy that's kind of unknown and I'm actually going to spend some time with Bobby in some some uh some hill country in Kentucky in April and it, it, back back to your point about um knowledge and and really checking your ego Mm-hmm. You know, you, you knock down a couple good bucks and you, you got it all figured yeah. out, right? Well, well, you'll get humbled so quick in this sport. Oh, man. So, so, so for me – I I try and check my ego and, and I want to learn from Mm Rendell, you know, we're, we're the same age and we've had, you know, similar success over the years, but I want to learn from him. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to learn from you. Mm -hmm. I want to learn from Dan, any, I I try and be a sponge around anybody that's successful, consistent hunter, you know, just use, use anything they say. And then uh, piggybacking on what you said is trying it for yourself. Does it work for your style? You yeah, know, you know what you do and and that's a that's a huge part of it for
0: me yeah yeah i just curious because Randall said you're you didn't have come from a hunting family so how what? did you how did you get into it then
2: there was a i don't know i was just a country boy you know yeah. hillbilly yeah <laughs> every every all my buddies like with deer hunt and gotcha. stuff like that and there was uh i just got into these freaking primo's Yeah, like uh, Truth From the Stand and all that stuff. Yeah, but the whole uh, VHS, Uh like whatever. This ain't Hollywood. Yeah, this is the truth. Yeah, Yeah. the truth. (laughs) Will Primo. And I I, I really got into that style, that raw, real, it's not edited stuff. Mm -hmm. They weren't flying in to some ranch where some poor guy was out there putting tree stands up for them all year. Then they just sat in the seat and shot a buck. Yeah. Like, you know, they are kind of out there doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't as hardcore as, like, what we're doing now. But it was still, like, more real to me. Yeah. So I would just always look forward. I'd buy those, like, big bucks, whatever they had for the, every year. Yeah. And I just got into it. And, man, I was like, oh, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to do that. And that comes with me moving to Iowa. Like, hey, if I want to do this, then I need to make it happen by right. going to somewhere that has big bucks. Yeah. That I can learn on. Because if you want to kill big bucks, you got to learn – how a big buck acts yeah and a mature whitetail is a totally different animal than like a doe a young buck it's a totally different how they move through the woods what they select for bedding food everything's totally different Mm -hmm. for how they act so it's like just a whole different game yeah you know what i mean so
0: i have a mixture of both of you because my dad was a big hunter still is but i i was influenced a lot by the truth videos. And then uh, another one that really got me was whenever real tree road trips came out. Oh, that that was, was a good one. <laughs> that was a lot more like that. Was, I mean, yeah, now, that was, granted cool. they're going to ranches, and yeah. stuff, but it was just more of the whole process of deer hunting instead of just, you know, Two minute clips of kill shots after kill shot after kill shot. They so.
2: always had like Red Atkins in there singing yeah, country music, yeah. so that's what Darryl I watched thing, the video yeah. for. I'm yeah. like, oh man, yeah. I'm gonna hear awesome or country. Blake would be yeah. on hunting with them or just random. Yeah, random so I listen super for stars. the yeah. I listen for the music on. Yeah, but of the they hook. would show like, I mean, driving there yeah. to the
0: camp to hunting to afterwards, yeah, cool. and I they were like the first. I, in my opinion, they're the first like hunting vlog. Yeah. Type. Uh, type show that before that was even a thing, you know they didn't call it then. It was just a TV show, but. <laughs>
1: It, you, you do have to be careful, though, because videos. I can remember I'm 15, 16 years old, and, and this guy had a series of videos, and I won't say who it was, but um, I bought, I saved up my money and, and, and bought all of them and watched them, and he was doing a ton of ground hunting, right? He was yeah. on the ground, hiding behind trees, and these 170s, 180s would walk by, and he'd get drawn and whack them, and I'd say, well, that's what I'm doing wrong. I'm, I need to get on the ground. And so yeah. I'd go get on the ground in South <laughs> Carolina and slip around. I'm like, I'm the worst deer hunter on earth. Yeah. How is this guy doing this over and over and over again? Well, I got older and found out the guy's hunting high fences all over the place Uh. and putting out these tips and this is how you do it. And I'm like this guy scammed me, and I yeah. saw that guy.
2: You bought the Booner juice. I <laughs> bought the Booner juice.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did. I, bought, I <laughs> hook line and sinker. I had, I had all of his grunt calls. I had oh, everything. Bro. I
1: was dialed he in. He long lined you hard. He, he, he.
2: <laughs>
1: I saw that guy at the ATA show walking around, and and I what say you yeah. for sure? Yeah, awesome. Oh, so, so th- yeah, the 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 videos, you know obviously huge influences and, and we're close to the same age. So, so seeing Michael Waddell, I mean, I, I, w- I, went into a camp that he was in, um, you know, I was in my, I guess, early thirties in, in, uh, Illinois and he was on a big managed property, but I got invited over, you know, to the, to where they were in camp and, uh, you know, I mean, just a, a, a human bigger than human, but just one of the nicest, most down to earth guys, yeah. you know, talk to
0: anybody and everybody. So, Yeah. I, uh, I didn't, they used to hunt Indiana every year. Um, and they had, uh, the guys that used to own, uh, scent blocker Mm -hmm. were from Indiana, the Robinson family, Mm -hmm. I think is their last name. But anyway, they, uh, I don't know what happened, but some sponsorship thing, they changed. They didn't, they weren't worth them anymore. Well, they wanted to hunt Indiana still. And I have a buddy that owns a lot of property and he's a big whitetail hunter. I mean, he kills like six, you know, five-year-olds a year. I mean, he's a great hunter, but, uh, um, he has a bunch of leases throughout the Midwest. And anyway, they, somehow he got hooked up with Nick Munt and they started hunting his, he had like a 600 acre farm and they all would come and hunt his farm. And, um, I got kind of the same thing you did. They were there one, uh, one week hunting and it wasn't actually Michael there. It was just Nick and, uh, his dad and my buddy. I actually worked for him at his RV business and did a little stuff for his like property I'd help him hang stands and stuff but uh, he invited me to come eat dinner with him one night and uh, me and my wife went and we just like sat down he has a little hunting cabin nearby stayed and we sat down and uh, Edwin is his dad's name he just he like can I sit with you guys and he sat down just the nicest guy I mean just I mean he talked to us for an hour and a half probably just effortlessly you know about you know how they got started he's like yeah we just were blowing turkey calls and all of a sudden box camo showed up one day and for michael and it was a real tree or mossy oak or whatever he said then more stuff come more stuff come and you know it was it was kind of cool to listen to him i've never actually met michael but um so yeah i have a lot of respect for that group of guys sure they uh pioneered yeah and i think they did you know people people crap on that stuff a little bit but it's like man i that's how i uh I mean, it kept me hunting sometimes, you know, and in high school and stuff. You know, there were kids doing other things,
2: and they had the balls to chase their dreams, yeah. Because back in the day, the industry was totally different. Oh, it was so much smaller. Yeah, that takes a lot of guts to Uh put yourself out there like that and try that. Like they put their whole life out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. There was not. There was no avenues to. There was like one path almost. You know. Um, you, couldn't, you couldn't just start a youtube channel or a podcast yeah. or whatever and <laughs> be, be a pro staffer yeah. you know um, <laughs> but anyway well guys we've been on here for an hour and show starts in an hour so we probably should get going thanks for coming on thank you uh, oh thank you yeah and uh rendle your social media and stuff i'll put it on the description and then osseo gear will be on down there too so go check those out everybody so thanks for watching everybody talk to you later thanks thank you